Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney over there, Steve. Hi. And today we are back to hitting the books with Nosomi's Quest by Enoch I. Simbaya. Uh, published by MV Media. It's out on digital right now with uh, hard copies to follow. Uh, MV Media was kind enough to send us review copies, so uh, we're going to talk about it. And we'll uh, say thank you. And we are going to say thank you. So thanks, Milt. Uncle Milt over at MV Media. <laughs> Did you just call Milton a crossdresser? No, I called him Uncle. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Milt. <laughs> that was like Milton Burl's nickname. <laughs> and he was famous for, for doing his act in drag. Well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> hey, he's the one who wants to start a podcast called Chillin' with Uncle Milt. So. <laughs> All right. The, now, singer, the singer from Rat, the band Rat, mm -hmm. was uh, his nephew. Interesting. That is why Milton Brill was in Rat videos. Okay. You learn something new every day. Here, microphones of madness. Yeah, apparently so. Whether you wanted to or not. Hey, you know that's trivia. That trivia could save your life one day. Uh, I'm not going to reveal how, but it shall. All right. Now, Nasomi's Quest is uh, Simbaya's debut novel, I believe. Uh, as far as I know, it is. He uh, is a um, he's an electrical engineer by day and an author by <laughs> night. Yes. Uh, he lives in uh, Zambia. So he uh, Go ahead and give us a quick synopsis of what's going on in this novel, Steve. Sh sure. Um, it, it's actually kind of what it says on the cover. Um, the lead character, Nasomi, goes on a quest <laughs> to search for her husband who has been stolen by a witch. Um, along the way, she discovers that she, too, has magic powers. And so the, the, the journey is both to rescue her husband and one of self-discovery. Yes. Now, what did you think? Overall, I really enjoyed the book. Um, I have a couple of minor criticisms just in terms of pacing, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, but the book itself was, was enjoyable. Uh, I found it to be a a pretty quick read, fast paced. Um, it it seemed to flow. Uh, Simbaya has this. We talk about we talk about use of language a lot, and and a lot of times we give higher props to simpler language. I guess uh, less less purple prose, uh, more readable. Yeah, um, and Simbaya's prose really makes this book feel like a folk tale or a campfire story or, or something like that. It's very, very casual in tone almost rather than um, a lot of similar fiction, which would be done in a more very formal type of, you know, approach. This, this sounds like the person, the, uh, the omniscient narrator is talking directly to you in, in plain old, plain speech and that that really helps the tone of the book as as i said before it does feel like a, a folk tale or campfire story or or even a piece of mythology uh delivered by a griot around a campfire or or at a dinner or something like that 
Yeah, it definitely has a less formal feel to it in terms of the language used, mm-hmm. um, which I, I actually I enjoy that. Um, you don't spend a lot of time picking apart sentences to get meaning from them. There's no clever, uh, clever wordplay, mm. I guess, um, to show you just how brilliant of an author someone is. Um, so it, it is description. This is what happens. And the meaning that you get from it is what it says. Not that there isn't deep meaning to it because there is, there's definitely symbolism and all that great stuff, but it's not crouched in, it's not obscured by the language, I guess is the best way to, to put that. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's direct, um, and to the point, which, which is, which is beneficial, particularly, uh, when you have a book like this and you have to do, uh, a great degree of world building. Yeah. That's the thing is like you, there's definitely a lot that needs to be explained and put down in terms of of the characters themselves, which is, you know, that's just going to happen because it's a book. Mm-hmm. But the the cultures of the characters that the characters are in um, aren't things that I am intimately familiar enough to get uh, cultural clues from context. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the, the plainer it's explained, the, the quicker you can get on with the story. And he does a very good job of explaining uh, things that happen. And it, it's, uh, he, he does it through uh, festivals. Like, mm-hmm. um, so when, when the characters get to a place, there'll be something significant happening in that village, in that town. Uh, so that a little bit of history can be explained along with, you know, th- as the characters learn it. Right, right. It uh, Nasomi's quest follows kind of the 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 same thing we were talking about with Altered Carbon, where Takeshi Kovach uh, comes is is thrust into a society he's unfamiliar with, and the other characters, the supporting characters, have to kind of explain that to to the character to Kovach as well as the reader. And this right. happens a lot with Nasomi as she travels across the continent into various cultures uh, that are similar to her own, but also significantly different. And when she encounters something she's not familiar with, we are graced with a minor character to explain that to both us, the reader and to Nasomi, the character. Right now it's two edged sword though. Oh yes, it, it because, is a two-edged sword. Because the the my my first I guess uh, criticism about the book is the way the beginning of the book is handled. Um, there's a hand. <laughs> you don't have that that um, conceit of the main character being just as clueless as you are. Mm. Um, in the beginning of the novel because it's where she grows up. Right. So there is a lot of information dump in the beginning of this. And and don't get me wrong, you need it because that's like your foundation uh, to for the world building. Mm-hmm. It's just really, really long. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I would say I would say the beginning of the book is definitely uh, 
where it does suffer some pacing issues. Um, the titular quest, you know, sorry to give a spoiler, but uh, the titular quest really doesn't happen until almost exactly halfway through the book. Yes. Uh, the early chapters are more of a romance. And once we start drawing in the more fantastic elements and and the circumstances that lead to the quest, um, it almost feels like it was a different book in, originally than it ended up being. And it just yes. kind of transferred from this idea into this idea. And it was handled well enough. But yeah, I think there was a little too much time spent on the setup and not enough time on the quest itself, which led to some other minor characters who are who are key in the later parts of the book to be kind of glossed over a little bit. I agree. Um, you definitely get to know um, characters that that later on fall to the wayside um, a lot better than characters that you that you are with for the bulk of the quest. Yes. So you, you get to learn a lot about um, her father and her cousin mm. and her kids and her in-laws. Um, and, and they're, they're rich, wonderful characters. And in, in that respect, it's really well written. And the, the first half of the book is fascinating. It just is such a contrast to the second half um, that you, you've, you've, you've got all these great rich characters and then they're all kind of like put to the wayside. They're like not used. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. The, the cousin uh, rarely appears once Nasomi goes off on the quest. The children uh, are usually mentioned, but you don't really see them until toward the end. Uh, meanwhile, Nasomi does have several traveling companions that uh, you don't really see or hear from as much, even though the narration really focuses on Nasomi and her point of view mm -hmm. throughout the book. But, you know, we just don't see the traveling companions too much. Right. Uh, for example, the uh, the palace guard Wakani, who is there from the beginning, and he lasts a good portion of the way through the quest. Uh, I'm not going to say what happens to him, but he's there and he has probably one of the most inter more interesting calls to adventure uh, of some of the other minor characters in that he's just kind of like sucked into it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the thing is though, that he kind of gets, he kind of volunteers, but is volunteered at the same time. Right. right. He, Pardon me. He could have been a really good, uh, just a, a a not a foil, but like a companion. Yeah, side um, a, 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 if he was fleshed out a little bit more mm -hmm. um, as a character. You know, if he if he if we knew an, as much about him as we knew about um, Nasomi's father-in-law. Mm -hmm. I think he would have been a you know it would have been a more interesting character, and he's great. He's a great character. He just could have had a little bit more depth. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the difference between the first half and the second half of the book to me is the, the depth of characters are um, the characters who get depth, sorry, are basically uh, 
Nosomi's focus, her enemies and her kidnapped husband, um, who you already know a lot about. Oh yes. Um, so and and so the the characterization is there. It's just not spread evenly enough, especially with people that Nosomi is interacting with directly all the time. Um, there was a couple of points where later on in the book, some names were mentioned that had happened in the middle of the quest. Right. Part, and I had to go and look them back up to see who they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they, while they had memorable parts to play um, as facilitators in her quest, as characters, they were just kind of there. Right, right. So, um, and, and that's, that's you know, that's my, that's, I guess that's part of the same uh, criticism as my original criticism. Um, just too much, front-loaded too much, I guess. Um, and then kind of like uh, thinning out a little bit in terms of uh, the characterizations. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because once the quest actually begins um, at the, the apex of the book, the rest of the book just just goes along at a breakneck pace, and uh, it is it's basically it is a chase novel. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of like uh, those old uh, sort of planet or uh, dying Earth stories mm-hmm. that were uh, a collection of short stories that got novelized. Right. Um, so you have these episodes with like a little bit of road. Um, pattern in between mm-hmm. and and the different the different like uh, nodes of action I guess are are really good and it doesn't focus too too much on the drudgery of being on the road <laughs> right it is not a walking simulator like certain other fantasy novels <laughs> right that will remain nameless <clears throat> but but rhyme with uh, gourd of things <laughs> Uh, one of the other interesting things that Symbaya does uh, in terms of narration is unlike some fantasy novels uh, that do have multiple character points of view this novel gives us multiple characters and what's happening with uh, her husband Tambo and his kidnapper Rima as they are traveling on their own sort of quest is that it never really breaks from Nozomi's point of view. Uh, Simbaya gives Nozomi the power to uh, see things through dreams and therefore she is able to keep tabs and therefore the audience is able to keep tabs on these other characters through these dreams. Right. Well, that's how tension is built mm-hmm. um, because as, um, as Nozomi uh, gets more, talented in terms of her her personal powers her dreaming powers and her ability to see far um the bride um also gets more powerful and and you get to be there while she commits all these horrific acts right right (laughs) and and as it goes on and she gets more and more powerful and more and more depraved you get to say to yourself wow nasomi you're fucked right (laughs) Right, it's a it's a way to build up tension because the 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 quote unquote power creep of the two characters is asymmetrical. It's it's you know 
they do not increase in power at the same rate. And or, their powers are the also so radically different from each exactly, other. Exactly. The, the same quality. The quality of the powers are completely different. Like, Nosomi's power um, is, you know, I guess somewhat of a, it's quote-unquote good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that might just be because she's a good person. Right. Um, where she is able to enter people's dreams and, and be empathetic with them in their dreams. Right. Um, as opposed to the bride's power, which is just sheer, uh, just rending and, and destroying and absorbing the powers of others. Right. It's almost a, a type of vampirism in a lot of ways. Um, and it's, it's definitely focused on darkness and death as opposed to, um, light and love. So, so yeah, there is that, that you know, you, that classic dichotomy of, quote unquote, good and evil represented in these two characters and their kind of struggle. And it's also, uh, they have one of the cultures in the book, uh, have a myth about how night chases day eternally. And did all, it's kind of that whole thing is paralleled throughout the entire story. Right. Um, it's also interesting how um, Nasomi not only gains magical power over the course of the book, but she also gains a degree of social power. Yes. Her, and, her reputation somehow precedes her mm-hmm. often. <laughs> yep. She, she, she has a bit of a reputation. She has... Um, she builds a reputation and she inspires, you know, people throughout her, her quest. And yes, she is Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's one of those types of heroes um, that as they go through the world, they, they do affect the world in a positive way. Um, you know, they give people hope uh, one yeah, particularly is, long is. section of the book after, after, an encounter between the two, they they catch up and separate all through the course of the book, Nosomi and Rima. Uh, and it's a lot of close calls. And that's one of the things that makes the cat and mouse game between the two of them interesting as well, because you can't have somebody just constantly chasing. You have to catch up every once in a while. Right. I mean, Something has to happen. Something yeah. has to happen to keep your interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this... This definitely is is got one up on where in the world is Carmen Sandiago because you, you she, she gets her Carmen Sandiago every once in a while she doesn't just miss her right the princess is not always in the other castle but but the the interesting thing is that it's always dumb luck that that puts them into contact it's yeah. never it, it's never it's never um. You know, I have a plan. We're going to ambush her. We know she's definitely going to be here. It's always they happen to be in the same place at the same time. Well, until the end. Until the end. But we can't spoil that part. But throughout the throughout the series or throughout the the book itself, you know, the encounters between Nasomi and Rima, she gets close to getting Tambo back, and something happens that that prolongs prolongs the 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 physical and emotional torture. And it does have a, a almost kind of grueling uh, feel to it that, that yeah. so we, <laughs> you know, we ride along and she's like at her peaks and her lows. Yeah. You, I mean, you could tell that she's getting ground down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could just, you can feel it alongside her just like as it gets to her. 
um, and how she deals with stuff. And, you know, um, when, when her despair, when she almost is at, at when she's at the point of just saying, fuck it, you know, mm-hmm. you're like right along there with her. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. Yep. And you know, you're, you're convinced when, when, when Nasomi feels like she should just cut her losses and go home, you know, you're, you're kind of right there with her. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I can't blame you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause she ends up sacrificing, um, a lot, not only personal sacrifices, but her decision to actually go on this quest affects the people around her, mm-hmm. uh, negatively. You know, she's basically abandoning her kids. Right. Right. You know, when they're at the age when they need, they just lost their father and they need their mother. And so she, she bolts. Right. Right. And and the other interesting thing is, is that she is, she takes, undertakes this quest by herself with, with poor Wakani who has been dragged along. Um, and is that dude is like a fucking rock. Yeah, I mean, he takes knows. he takes everything in stride, but um, she undertakes this quest alone, or she or has to though because no one's taking her seriously, right? Well, I mean, you know, they they were offered, you know, the the resources of the kingdom, you know, to to find him, but on the other hand, you know, she just couldn't trust that it was something that she had to do, right? And and that 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 um conflict does take up a good portion of the chapter of uh, of or the early chapters is that wrestling with herself where i have to do this on my own or you know it would really be smarter for you know professionals to do this right but then again professionals um you know in hindsight professionals would have uh, would have not completed this quest they would have all um been destroyed well, it depends on the, who the professional you hire is, but, you know, the book wouldn't be called Nasomi's Quest. It would be called Nasomi Hires a Contractor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of the way uh, the bride ends up kicking everybody's ass. Some of the most powerful sorcerers in, in the entire continent um, right. get kicked ass. And I don't think anything that Nasomi could have thrown at her in the beginning any contractors would have helped at all. No, I, I can think of a couple, but uh, they're from they're from different universes, so <laughs> it would have to be this would have to be a crossover book. Um, so yeah, definitely check this book out. Nasomi's Quest MV Media. We'll have a link in the description of this of the podcast. Uh, yeah, check it out. Um, it is on the front matter is listed as the book one or legends of uh, AO AO uh, number one. Uh, So this is the the first book in a potential series. Uh, So so, we'll get more if um, y'all buy it. That's right. (laughs) So a second one gets published. Y'all buy it. Get, get on, (laughs) get on the train for this one early. So, just imagine, if you will, if back in the 30s, no one bought the first book of, of um, Poor Kings, or whatever you were calling it. <laughs> Gord, Gord of the Things? Gord of the Things. 
um, you would ne never have gotten the the three um, pinnacles. That's true. So the three walking simulators. <laughs> well, there's the two towers, the three pinnacles. Right. Now you made me actually mention the damn thing by name. Ha ha! Gotcha. So, yep, Nasomi's Quest, MV Media, uh, written by Enoch I. Simbaya. Definitely check it out. And until next time, keep 30 luck points. That's right. Right.